Hello, and welcome to Investigative Postcast, a new podcast from Investigative Post. I'm Jim Heaney, editor and founder of Investigative Post, a nonprofit investigative reporting center dedicated exclusively to watchdog journalism in Buffalo and Western New York. In this week's episode, some highlights from my conversation with Susan Arbetter, the award-winning host and producer of the Capitol Press Room. Susan came to town Tuesday for an event hosted by Investigative Post, where I turned the tables and interviewed her in front of a live audience. Here's an excerpt from that interview focusing on state politics. Is New York State headed in the right or the wrong direction? (laughs) And I know the answer. Well, why don't you give the answer? Well, <laughs> they don't, they didn't show up, 100 people didn't show up to listen to me. They came here to listen to you. So what's your answer? How about if I just talk about Andrew Cuomo? If you insist. All right. So I think that Andrew Cuomo is um, a very interesting uh, personality type. He is an alpha male leader who is doing everything through a scrim of how does it help me and my political aspirations. So every single thing that Andrew Cuomo does, every decision, every policy, every speech, every time he doesn't defend Hillary Clinton, every time he doesn't go after Trump, every time he does go after, you know, Robin Schiminger, he is making a calculated decision because he is probably the smartest politician that I've ever covered. But it's always about his political aspirations. And that's a limiting sort of, you know, that, that limits him. I think that it's a pathology. Now, when you, when you set that into uh, the rest of Albany, you've got, you've got a it legislature, you've got a legislature that, uh, you know, uh, nobody got indicted today, but there's always tomorrow. <laughs> um, you, you've, got, uh, you've got a state comptroller who uh, isn't the most aggressive individual in the world. Uh, you've got an attorney general. I really like him, though. Huh? He's really nice. Yeah. Like I say, not the most aggressive guy in the world. You know, um, I, I feel like people who are good people, who are nice people, need, need a little, like, I think Tom DiNapoli does a good job. I really do. I, I know you think that he's not as aggressive as he should be. I think he is doing a very good job. Very good job. In the environment in which he is working. To which I would counter, uh, why does it take Pripahara to uncover corruption in New York State that's in front of everybody's eyes? Because the legislature took the teeth away from the controller in 2011 to look into what was going on at Fuller Road. Okay. I might have met my match here. so, so you plug Cuomo into what's going on. Okay, yeah. Uh, and what's, what's the soup? How toxic is that soup? 
Yeah, it's very toxic. I mean, you know, there's, he's ruling by fear, and uh, he, he is not a beloved figure. Not that you need to be if you're a governor, but, you know, if you're a politician, it would help if people actually like you. And I think that there is a large contingent, it's actually pretty sad, of people that don't like him at all and that only do his bidding because of fear or because of some sort of political deal or, um, I mean, he's, like, think about Mario for a minute. You guys remember Mario Cuomo? I mean, he was somebody who, he would talk about the city on the hill and you wanted to follow this man to that city up the hill, no matter how far it might be and how much you might sweat under your makeup. Andrew Cuomo, would you follow him? I mean, I, I don't get anything from him, so I'm not gonna follow him. If, if, you, if you're the mayor of Buffalo, you're perhaps gonna get something from Andrew Cuomo, so you'll follow him. And, and look at that, now you're the chairman of the Democratic State Committee. And, and the state government's paying three quarters of your school tab and about 40% of your, your municipal government tab. So yeah, he's gonna, Byron Brown's gonna fall in line when Andrew Cuomo says, says to fall in line. What's been your experience with him as an interview subject? He's been on, he's been on until he wasn't on. He's been on and on and on and on, and he would call, like, you know, we, we're on the air at 11. Melissa DeRosa <laughs> would call at, like, 11.50, or 10.58. I know it's late, but the governor wants to come on. We have our show planned, but okay. Although we did say no to him twice. Boy. And how did that go over? Not well. Not well. No. Um, I mean, you could hear the outrage, and, but we had, this was during a week that he had been on, you know, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and I had to bump all of those guests. All of these guests have, have things that they want to argue in front of the legislature. You know, these are people like advocates for the developmentally disabled who are trying to get their point across to my listeners so they call their their legislators to get more money for people who you know don't have any place to live and i've shunted all of these interviews off to friday okay so then two minutes before 11 she calls and i said no no um i have moved all of these people to Friday, and now this is their last chance before, you know, we come up with a budget. I'm, you know, this is what I, how I'm remembering this. And yeah, she was not, not happy. But, you know, they did come back on after that. The last time the governor was on, it was actually a pretty good conversation. We talked about Uber. And I remember he was goofing around with me, and we had a pretty good conversation. But I, after that, Around the same time you and I decided to make a deal together that you would appear on my show on a regular basis, he never started, he never came on again. And I really do think. You can thank me now, Susan. I think it had something to do with that deal. <laughs> uh, all right, so enough about Andrew Cuomo. Who gives you hope in Albany? Who are the good guys or the, 
potential good guys who could start to turn this thing around? There are quite a few. Um, Liz Kruger. I, I'm not sure who, if you guys know these people, but for example, Liz Kruger is a Democratic state senator from Manhattan. She is the, exactly the kind of person that, you know, Brian Kolb uh, will, and Richard Funky and, and Western New York uh, conservatives might say, oh, it's downstate Democrat, blah, blah, blah. You know what? She has a master's degree in public policy from Northwestern. She is uh, a take-no-prisoners debater. She's someone who will argue a point whether or not it helps her get reelected or not. For example, this week she's all about don't, don't slop your fracking waste from Pennsylvania into our groundwater. No fracking waste is ever going to be dumped on the Upper West Side of Manhattan. So she doesn't have to take this on, but she is doing it. So I admire that. Anybody else? You're really pushing it. Um, no, I'm, I'm sure that there is. Um, I admire people who have the courage of their convictions. Roy McDonald, okay, was a Republican state senator from the Capital Region. And he was one of the senators uh, who went out of their way to vote yes on same-sex marriage. He didn't get elected the second time around. Um, and Kathy Marchone got that job. Kathy Marchone is somebody who does not have the courage of her convictions. She promised her constituents, who are residents of Hoosick Falls, that she would uh, pass this statute of limitations bill to make sure that they were able to sue if they got sick from the water contamination. And then after pressure from, I'm not sure, she backed off and, and made it a weaker bill. After incredible outrage and the hashtag Benedict Marchone all over the place, she changed her mind. But, I mean, so Roy McDonald, who is a conservative but has had the feeling that, he, that it was right to have marriage equality, gets voted out, and Kath Marchone gets voted in. People get the democracy they deserve. The view from Albany of Western New York, how are we perceived? Uh, yeah, how are we, how are we perceived as a, as a region? What, what do people think and say about us? Like, you know, I don't want to speak for everybody, but how I perceived it, um, I think just this desolate place, which it's not. Um, I mean, I couldn't believe how gorgeous some of the areas are here. And yeah, I, I, gave her, I gave her a quickie tour it's today. It's lovely. I, I mean, Erie Basin Marina, Canal Side, uh, up and down Delaware Avenue, these Theater beautiful District. beautiful boulevards. Yeah. I, I mean, really, it's lovely. And uh, I, I'm going to go back home with a different perspective. Um, it's much larger. I mean, this is a huge city. Um, you told me it's something like five miles. From well, it was from downtown, from where we were. We were driving yeah. up somewhere. And how far was well, it back I mean, to the water? That's huge. And, and uh, I, it, it's nowhere near as uh, desperate 
and <laughs> sort of pathetic, <laughs> as I may have thought it was. Um, but I have to say that, remember the New Yorker cover, New Yorker's view of the world? And like it was everything, then Ninth Avenue, and then, you know, Los Angeles. In Albany, <laughs> it's sort of like the, the Hudson River, and then desolation, nothing. And then a smokestack that isn't blowing smoke anymore. That's Buffalo. <laughs> and then Toronto. Um, so yeah, there is a little bit of a, there's a snooty little attitude about the rest of upstate. It's just, it's pathetic, it's terrible. And I also know, though, that there is a us versus them attitude that pervades from Western New York for the rest of the state. Explain that. Um, just, you know, I really do think that, that Buffalo and Rochester may be more Midwestern than Albany. I mean, you have like, you have the whole, uh, I just think that it's, it's more conservative. It's, it reminds me a lot of Pittsburgh. Which yeah, is, yeah, except, is except their football city. team wins. <laughs> we were talking about that too. Yeah. 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 <laughs> it, Buffalo and Pittsburgh have a lot in common, I have to say. As we were driving around, it just reminded me of my hometown. Politically, uh, Western New York, Western New Yorkers used to be led to believe anyways that they had a pretty effective legislative delegation. They had some juice in Albany. Art Eve was the deputy speaker of the assembly. Art Eve was yeah. deputy speaker sure. of the assembly. Dale Volker uh, uh, had, sure. had sway uh, as, as a Republican leader. Um, that penalty. Yeah. Uh, are we, do we still have giants or do we have dwarfs now representing? You know, when George Maziars went down, I think everybody was sort of shocked. And he was really the, the head of the delegation. And now, I mean, Joe Morelli is very powerful. He's the assembly uh, majority leader. Uh, but Western New York uh, in the state Senate is really nowhere anymore. It's, uh, the power in the state Senate is all on Long Island and uh, always has been, but at least Western New York used to have something. Now it's more like central New York with uh, Joe Griffo and DeFrancisco and Tom O'Mara. Um, Western New York doesn't really have anything. Everybody's pretty new. What about the assembly? The assembly is more established, um, regardless of what Cuomo says. I think that Robin Schiminger is a pretty good representative for you. Uh, I also think Crystal People Stokes is an outstanding uh, leader. And you can clap for Crystal People Stokes. Joe Morelli, um, you know, everybody has their flaws, but uh, I, I think that in the assembly, the Western New York delegation is pretty powerful. And then, of course, Brian Kolb, who is the assembly minority leader, is, uh, you know, not powerful maybe, but influential. Let's put it that way. A little bit, anyway. All right. A modicum of influence. All right. So on balance, we don't have the juice we used to. No. Okay. Um, 
Which is a shame because it's the second biggest city. You disagree with me. All right, let, let's, uh, let's talk about the governor's race for a minute. Um, is there a race? Well, I'd like to not talk about the presidential race, so let's <laughs> go to the governor's race. Um, is Cuomo vulnerable at all, vulnerable at all given uh, everything that's going on, his lack of popularity even among Democrats, uh, the kind of cascading investigation uh, by Preet Bahara uh, into corruption and economic development programs, uh, plus the whole issue of shelf life. I mean, it's, it's, right. is he vulnerable at all? Oh, yeah. I, I absolutely think he's vulnerable. I mean, I, he was vulnerable last time. Just think Ze when people thought about Zephyr Teachout. I mean, who had ever heard of a Zephyr Teachout? And all of a sudden, here she comes um, out of nowhere. And she I can't remember the, the numbers, but she did very well um, in the primary. And the Working Families Party, uh, which didn't ultimately support her, um, almost came close to supporting her. I think that he's very vulnerable. Um, what makes him a difficult person to actually uh, beat is his war chest and his machine. I mean, he's in charge of the Democratic Party in New York. So they're going to go along with what he says. So the entire organization is in his back pocket, as well as a, a war chest of how many millions of, I mean, just some unbelievable amount of money. I can't, I can't remember how many. But whoever challenges him is going to have to raise a lot of money fast, which means they are creating a vulnerability in their own campaign. Do you, do you anticipate a challenge from the Democratic side? Oh, yeah, I'm sure. Anybody come to mind, likely? Uh, I can't think of... After everyone leaves and I'm in my bed, I'll think about it. Okay. That's always the way it is. Yeah. All right. Um, oh, at, uh, who is the uh, Mike? Mike Hine. He's the uh, one of the county executives from the Hudson Valley. Is very good. Uh, he's very well spoken. You you don't see the comptroller or the AG challenging him? No, 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 no. Okay. They're weak. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. I'm glad you conceded that point. Um, all right. Uh, Carl Paladino is threatening to run again. What, what's the perception? What's the perception in Albany? Look at it. I, I'm just a messenger here, people, okay? He's always been really gracious to me. I mean, uh, it's clear that he's... Um, something. Well, it, now, it, here in Western New York, he, he is perceived, and he, he gets a lot of media coverage, which helps to legitimize this perception that he is a real power, a real player. I think Business First, when they do their annual rankings of people in power, Carl's you know, near the top. Uh, the reality, again, from Albany, from the seat of power, is Carl Palladino perceived as a serious player in Western New York yeah. that they have to pay attention to. A absolutely, and for a couple of reasons. Um, one, he is Trump's guy in New York. Um, that gives him, I think, some bona fides right there. He also sort of attached himself to the Second Amendment, uh, the anti-New uh, York Safe Act folks, 
And when he comes to Albany and rallies, those are huge rallies. And if you can get that many anti-gun uh, control people to come out, I mean, that's power. And so, yeah, I, I, I don't think it's just, I mean, perceived power is power. Mm -hmm. A and I think that he is perceived at power. Okay, one more question about uh, politics, and we'll move on to the press. Uh, handicap uh, Cuomo versus Paladino, next governor's race. I don't, I don't think there's a contest. I mean, New York City is still, even though they might have fewer, in percentage terms, fewer people in New York City come out to vote, there's still nine million people or something in New York. And there's just more people downstate who are going to vote for a Democrat. Palladino is not going to win. You can find more from my conversation with Susan and more work from Investigative Post online at investigativepost.org. Thanks again for listening. Thank you.